Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And I think it's safe to say I've probably never had an episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast as fun as today. And I, I hope you enjoy this uh, as much as I will. Um, but we're going to be talking about how to use humor in your copy, how to write copy that packs a punch and also converts. And, and really what we're going to talk about is going to be useful for your product detail pages and, and your homepage and your email copy and your video copy. And this is something that I think a lot of e-commerce stores are, are missing. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So, I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and Two Minute Crash Course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest today is someone that I heard uh, speak at one of Ezra Firestone's events. Probably my favorite presentation at that event. But I am uh, delighted to welcome onto the show Miss Leanna Patch. She's the founder, head puncher, and conversion copywriter at Punchline Copy. Leanna, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to e-commerce evolution. And man, I'm just, I'm excited you're here. I'm so thrilled to be here, uh, especially hearing my title. That's a, a real mouthful. It makes me feel important. Yeah. Did I deliver it okay? Was it that, was perfect. Was okay. I might just bring you around with me and you can introduce me everywhere. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be your, uh, yeah, I'll be your, your herald. Is that what they used to call it? That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll announce you and uh, it'll, be, it'll be a ton of fun. <laughs> so I, I think everyone is probably wanting to know, I want to know, honestly, like uh, how did you become a copywriting specialist that also specializes in humor. And I think there's like some stand-up comedy in your, in your uh, history or, or even currently and impromptu stuff and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, so tell us a quick story. Sure. Um, so copy happened first. Uh, I was in college. I was a creative writing major. I'm pretty sure I just watched Mad Men and I was like, that's the reason I'm obsessed with advertising. I could do that. And so I started yeah. freelancing, I think on Craigslist. It was mm -hmm. not good. Um, and then was doing that for a while. And fast forward to probably seven years later, I had just finally taken my part-time business full-time. Um, I was doing mostly publications work. So a lot of um, magazine writing, a lot of magazine editing. And I was like, hey, this sucks. This is not how I want to spend my day. Um, and I'd also started doing improv and stand-up. Nice. And yeah. So uh, why, why did you decide to start doing stand-up and improv? Were people like always telling you, Leanna, you're so funny, like get on stage. Or, or was it something you just always wanted to do? 
Some people told me that, but honestly, it happened kind of the same way as Copy did. I went to an open mic and I saw some people go up and was like, I could do better than that. And so I did. Um, <laughs> and that was like, that was a while ago. I think that was 2012. And I sort of took a break from stand up for a while, tried out improv, um, went to this improv conservatory. And recently this year, I've actually gotten back into stand up and doing more shows. Nice. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you like about doing stand up and improv? Like, is it just, is it just the experience that you enjoy or does it, do you feel like it, it, it gives you other skills that are, that are valuable or what, what do you like about it? Just curious. The thing that I like about improv, like off the stage, is that uh, no matter what kind of conversation I'm in, especially if it's boring, if I'm in an event and I'm like, this is not what I want to talk about, like the weather in my hometown. Oh, God, can we stop asking this question? Yeah. Um, I can sort of turn on my improv brain and say, like, what would be an interesting question to ask or like a conversation to have? Like, what conversation do I want to have? versus the one that we're having. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the improv side of things. It's also just so much fun to get out there on stage and be like, what world are we going to build today? Like, what's going to happen? Nobody yeah. knows. And usually yeah. it's fun. Sometimes it's cringy, um, yeah. but rarely. Uh, and then with the stand-up kind of thing, it's just really about, um, for me, seeing how best to craft a joke, um, especially now that I'm doing longer sets and I've booked shows. I can workshop a joke and see, you know, how does this hit best and what kind of um, flow do I want my set to have? Where do I yeah, need a big yeah, laugh? That yeah. kind of thing. Cause really, all, it really is all about timing and delivery on jokes or so much of a joke is timing and delivery, right? Yeah. And where you place uh, the funny piece, which has so many, like there are so many correlations between comedy and copy, you know, the rule of three, we, things are funnier in threes. Things are more impactful and memorable in threes. Use that in copy all the time. If there's something funny, put it at the end so that people hang on it and listen to it. Uh, same in copy. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you, how do you think um, studying improv, and this is just just me being curious, but but how is studying and performing improv, how has that made you better at, at business and, and copy? Because I think there, there's probably some good lessons there. So many. Um, so in improv, things are funnier, uh, the bigger the spaces between them. If you're, if you're doing what we call heightening, um, and there's, there's a situation in a scene and you want to take it to the next level. Uh, you want to make a bigger jump. So like, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, if I am cutting carrots in my kitchen in an improv scene or someone else is cutting carrots, I might come in and be like, what does it feel like to be the carrot right now? So just take that one thing and be like, Oh no, don't, you know, don't cut me. And then go from there. Um, so exaggerating and hyperbole give me better, um, better ways to form examples and copy as well. Um, so if I'm doing a series, I'll, I'll be a little bit more out there sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just more memorable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always been fascinated by, I love the show. Whose line is it anyway? Mm -hmm. Classic. I think, I think there's some, also some parallels between being a, an entrepreneur and, and doing improv, right? There's the famous quote that, that Reed Hoffman, uh, founder of LinkedIn said that being an entrepreneur is kind of like jumping off a cliff and assembling an airplane on the way down. That that's yeah. kind of what it's like to build a company. And, and that's kind of what you're doing in improv. Like you're just making it all up as you go. And there's, oh, yeah, there's that, sure. that pressure and that, that creativity and, and being in the moment. And um, yeah, it just looks like it'd be a ton of fun. It's and, so fun. You should try it. Yeah. You should try it. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did in, in high school a little bit, uh, which was, which was fun. Oh, so one, um, was that? One other thing that it occurs to me is, is kind of a parallel between improv and entrepreneurship. Um, you have to be flexible with whatever happens. So even if somebody in the scene makes a decision that you don't necessarily agree with, or it wasn't what you pictured, you're like, cool, that's what we're doing now. 
the kind of the yes and aspect of it. Like, oh, that's not what I expected to happen in my business. Okay, let's go with it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And then rather than like being all upset and saying, oh, well, you know, we have to end this improv scene because you screwed it all up. Yeah. Roll with it. And, yeah. And, and deal with it. Yeah. And good stuff a great, happens. It's a great lesson. Yeah. Good times, fun stuff. Um, so let's 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 transition into to humor and copy and talk about that specifically. You know, you and I were were uh, talking offline. It was crazy. We both know Claude Hopkins, uh, one of the one of the godfathers of of marketing and advertising. But I, I think it was Claude Hopkins said that people don't buy from clowns, right? Mm-hmm. So don't be funny in your copy. And, and some of that was written like in the 30s, 40s, 50s, somewhere in there. Yeah. And I think he was probably right at that time. I think things have totally shifted. I think humor is a very powerful sales weapon and something that, that can make your copy stickier and more persuasive and more, you know, create, you know increase in conversion, things like that. Mm-hmm. But why why is it important to use humor in, in copy and, and why did you gravitate towards that? Yeah. I think, so I think back in the day when there were people who wrote ads and people who read ads Mm -hmm. uh, and there was that very big line between them, like it makes sense not to use humor because you're seeing this as coming from kind of a a professional or authoritative source. If you're, if you're reading something that's selling to you now, everybody has access. Everybody writes all the time, even if it's just a social media post here or there. So it's a, it's a more level playing field and we have more in common with the people we're selling to than we used to. Um, for me, humor is kind of a strategic tool. So how does it make people feel? Usually it relaxes us. It breaks down barriers. It builds relationships. We need to do that when we're selling products. Um, so I'll look at a store's you know, sales cycle from everything from the, the homepage value proposition to the product pages and the, the product copy to the um, purchase emails and everything after that and say, like, where does it make sense to alleviate anxiety or to build a relationship or just to give somebody a moment of levity that they wouldn't have had otherwise in their day. Yeah. Yeah. So using humor to overcome sales resistance or to overcome anxiety or potentially to make something that that could be a downer or uh, an issue or a problem to make it seem lighter. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, now people have seen the Harmon Brothers campaigns and things like that and seeing, hey, they're you can be funny and also be really persuasive and and sell at the same time. And if you can do both, man, super, super powerful. Yeah, for sure. It's not humor ever for the sake of making a joke, but it's humor yes. in service of the sale. Strategic uh, humor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think people are using it so much at the top of the funnel with ads because they want to be funny. They want to go viral. That's everyone's like, can you make me go viral? You're like, mm-hmm. I'll try. You know, no one can guarantee that. Can you that. make me a millionaire just like tomorrow? You know, yeah, that yeah. Get, going viral to me, I, I think going viral should be the goal, right? Because uh, right. there's really, and there are probably people that say they have formulas for going viral. I don't know the one exists. You never know what's going to really hit. Uh, just being consistent and consistently delivering your message and being funny, and that yeah. that's that's kind of where it is. Yeah. Um, Curious because you are a student of this, you know, you write good copy, you you observe what other people are doing. What, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see when someone decides, hey, I want to be, try to be funny with my copy? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see? Um, the first is the like out of nowhere voice change where you've been getting these really boring emails from a brand or you've seen their site and it's kind of blah. And then all of a sudden, a new marketing director comes in and they're like, let's be funny. And you start getting these wildly different emails and there's kind of like a lost 
thread somewhere. You're like, what just happened? Like who who hijacked this this email account or something? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's kind of weird. There's not like a gradual easement or easing into uh, a sense of humor, which can also help you um, suss out whether it's working for people, whether it's working for your customers and readers. Um, other mistakes I think are paying a lot of attention to humor before you make a sale with someone and then saying like, oh, they're a customer now. We can just sort of like funnel them into the, you know, the default uh, Shopify or Clavio purchase emails. And you just, it's, oh, I've done this so many times when I've bought from a, a funny brand um, like Cards Against Humanity uh, or people who are really well known for having a funny brand voice. And you're like, I can't wait to see what their receipt email looks like. Cause I'm a huge nerd about this stuff. And then it comes <laughs> to my inbox and it's just so boring. I'm like, you had an Very opportunity. Sterile and institutional. Yeah. yeah. You could have continued to delight me and I would have been more likely to come back and buy again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I guess that, that, that kind of leads to a question of, of where should someone use humor first? So, so let, let's say that I run an e-commerce company I've really just been kind of boring uh, up to this point. Now I'm saying, okay, I, I see where humor is going to uh, overcome sales resistance. It's going to improve my conversions. It's going to do all these things that that um, humorous copy can do. And so I decided to do it. Mm -hmm. Where where should I use humor in my copy first, or humor in my marketing first? Yeah, there are a ton of different places, but I'd say a safe bet for every single e-commerce store is emails. Whether that's like a welcoming sequence, you give somebody 10% off when they get to the site, you sort of let them know what you're about or um, post-purchase or your general, you know, uh, broadcasts or list letters. Um, because email is supposed to be that one-on-one -on -one relationship. You can turn your brand into um, someone, someone that readers look forward to having in their inbox. Um, and I think a way that bigger brands have started to do this, like even brands that you wouldn't expect, like Target, like huge behemoths. Um, they're, they're doing this in the subject line. They're using puns in the subject line and like funny emojis. Um, and then you open the email and it's kind of what you would expect. Uh, they don't sort of follow through with the rest of the funny copy that you want from them. Um, but when you have a smaller store than Target, you have a little bit more flexibility probably to, to carry that humor through. And make somebody like, oh, it's an email from a store, but I can't wait to read it. Right. So your email sequences. Can, can you think of some some good examples? E either some good examples that, that you've written or that the companies you follow have written. Yeah. So I worked with a store called Good Life Coffee. So they're a coffee roaster um, nice. and exporter from in London. They're based in London. And let's see, I have them pulled up somewhere here. So I wrote basically their onboarding series. Um, so this is when someone someone buys and it's good life coffee, is that what you said? Good life coffee. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, just kidding. It wasn't an onboarding series. It was their post-purchase series. Post-purchase, so got it. After yeah. they buy. Yeah. After they buy, when everybody usually would be like, okay, great. You've done, you know, we've, we've got you. Sales, sales we'll closed. I'm going to be boring now. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we did a series of emails, um, funny emails about how to roast the perfect or how to, how to brew the perfect cup of coffee, um, mistakes that people make, how to choose the right um, beans for you. Uh, and that kind of stuff. And so that client got back to me after a long while um, because I'm bad at checking back in with people to see about their results. Mm -hmm. um, yes. But he said, customer lifetime values up 150%, orders per customer is up from two to three, and the returning customer rate is up by 7%. Dang. Um, 
Yeah. All, all, all by using a little bit of humor yeah. and the, the, the human connection with the, with the, that follow-up sequence. Exactly. Can you describe the follow-up sequence at all or, or any, any, any nuggets you can pull from it? Obviously, we don't read the whole sequence or anything. Yeah. Any nuggets you can pull from it? Let me look for some nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> and so this would be like, this would be like the emails saying, Hey, the, your, your order's confirmed and you can expect it by this time. And then, and then did you get your coffee and st- stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so this would be after all of those transactional emails. Um, okay. so they've, and I did write copy for those as well. Like, uh, here's when to expect your order. Um, it's shipping that kind of stuff. So answering questions before people you know, ask customer service about them, which can be a really nice way to cut down on support tickets. Yes. Um, <laughs> so one of them is how to pick your, how to pick the perfect coffee for your taste. Uh, and it's the hook is Goldilocks. So Goldilocks had a tough time of it, took her ages to find the right porridge, chair, bed, you name it. Her hosts were not pleased. And then I found a really fun Simpsons gif uh, with Goldilocks getting torn apart by bears. Um <laughs> Uh, and we and I sort of parlayed that into yeah it's hard to find the thing that works for you it's hard to find the coffee that's right for you here's what to think about ask yourself these questions you know what do you prefer with your coffee uh, and now keeping your preferences in mind here's what we recommend if you like X or Y you know if you like a coffee with a light body and kind of a zingy mouthfeel try this one if you want a full bodied coffee that with you know all the stuff so it feels more like a natural introduction into um, something that this, this client cares so much about. And, and you, really. you, did you say zingy mouth feel like so, something like that rather than, than, than trying to be too scientific or something with the description that, that, uh, that sometimes coffee people do, you know, yes. uh, it's got these notes to it, uh, yeah. which is, which is kind of fun as well, but I like the zingy mouth feel. Yeah. What it means exactly, but it sounds kind of fun. I'd like to try it. Yeah. You kind of know what it, you can imagine what it might feel yeah. like, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you, you kind of feel something a little bit yeah. as you hear that. So you take a sip and you're like, ah, <laughs> zingy. Um, <laughs> Good. So, so how do you kind of blend humor with persuasion? Because you said something earlier that was, that was super important where, you know, people just focus on being funny for the sake of being funny. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's, it's like people separate the two where it's either I can be funny or I can be persuasive, mm-hmm. but I can't do both at the same time. So, so how do you blend the two? How do you blend humor and, and persuasion? Yeah. So I tend to almost write the copy straight first. So based on the customer research that I have, I'll say, here are the messages that everyone needs to hear in this order. And I'll go through and I'll write it. Uh, And sometimes I'll write jokes as I go, but often I'm just sort of saying, these are the points we need to hit. And then I'll go back through and say, you know, does this flow the right way? Do we need a break here? Uh, Does someone need to laugh or smile or sort of like snicker themselves anywhere here? Um, Is there anything that's going to make them anxious where I need to sort of allay their fears? especially if I'm asking them to click or buy something where it's like, what's on the other side of this button? And we can say like, don't worry, you know, we won't turn on your webcam and video you. I don't know. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take a webcam right now. Like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. That's one of those cringy improv moments. That <laughs> <laughs> those are always the best. The awkward improv moments are always the, the best. Watching sure. those shows. Like oh, a three minute scene. It feels like 12 hours. Anyway. Yeah. But so you're writing the copy first. So you're saying, okay, let's, let's get the, let's get the sales message out there. Let, let's, let's convey the benefit. Let's make this product come to life where people are saying, oh, this is a great, it's a great product. And then you go back and look for where can I make people feel a little lighthearted or where can I inject some humor where they may be drifting a little bit and getting bored or something. And how do I, how do I bring them back in? Yeah. Or if they have an objection. Um, So if they're, if they're reading product description copy and they're like, yeah, but is this going to fit with, you know, my other clothes or whatever? And you'd be like, it'll fit so well, you'll barely even notice you bought it. 
it'll sneak into the other aspects of your life and it'll follow you around. It's like a coat just hulking behind you everywhere you go. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could be a fun yeah. way to, to address objections too. Absolutely. Um, so, so how are you using humor on product detail pages? So for e-commerce, you know, we kind of live and die by the, the, the product detail page. That's where we're sending a lot of traffic type of traffic that we send as an agency is usually, you know, Google shopping or Google search or YouTube. And we're often sending people to a product detail page or, or a category page or something. How do you use humor there? Yeah. Um, depending on the brand's comfort with, you know, and, and their voice and how funny they actually want to be. Um, I'll do it in the main product copy. Uh, if I'm building a story about the product or I'll do it somewhere. This is one of my favorite places to, to be funny is in those little product details um, or specifications because mm-hmm. we're so used to having like super dry copy down there. We click right, more right. details and we have like the eight bullet points about yeah, all the yep. specs. The people and just you, copied and pasted from, from some technical writer. Or yeah, exactly. Like or from the manufacturer. Right. Uh, they don't change the, the product copy. So if you can insert like a joke here and there, not only is it delightful, it'll keep people reading more closely because they're like, Ooh, what's the next joke? Um, and I like to do that, uh, wherever I can, honestly, wherever it's called for. And I, I have an example. Um, yeah, the little, little, little fascinations, right? Little, little nuggets to keep people, little morsels to keep people interested and engaged. Yeah. And depending on how many SKUs you have, you can even change that copy from product to product. So I worked with this um, wedding band uh, store and most of the the detail copy is the same across their multiple wedding rings. Um, But we changed one thing. Uh, Where is it? Uh, So shipping and returns. We we say real effing classy shipping, snugged up in a velvet ring box and delivered insanely fast by rugged outdoorsman and or USPS. So that piece, that rugged outdoorsman piece is because this is kind of like a cowboy ring. Um, for other rings that I wrote for them, it was like nuclear drone and or um, Pony Express. Just changing that little chunk to match the product on the page. And people yeah. obviously know it's not going to come by. It's going it, to, the end or USPS, that, that kind of clarifies how it's going to exactly. happen. But it makes it fun. And yeah. we're talking about shipping. Shipping's not fun. Exactly. Other, than, other than I want it like today or tomorrow or yeah. whatever. But, uh, but yeah, making, adding some humor there. I wonder if that, um, did you use that? What, what was the, what was the thought on, on using humor around the shipping? Was there something strategic like to make slightly longer shipping times more bearable or you, you're just trying to spice it up? At, at oh, that? I just, yeah. It's just a question that every customer is going to have. And so, uh, it will be delivered insanely fast. Um, we can't, we're not lying about that. These, these people ship their products super fast. Um, just wanted it to match the rest of the description because this was this was an, a place where I got to go whole hog on humor from top to bottom, uh, nice. and it was so fun. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and how did that how did that impact performance? So kind of pre Leanna Pat Leanna Patch humor uh, to 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 after. Yeah. So results. along with some sort of more heuristic product page suggestions that I made, like. Hey, we probably don't need this little send to messenger thing. We could, you know, we need more product detail images. Um, this product that I was just reading from in particular, um, add to cart conversions went up by 196%. Um, and purchase conversions went up by 17%. And on a couple of other products I worked on for them, um, we had similar metrics. So, uh, you know, add to cart went up like 20%, but purchases went up 98% on another one. Um, and it was really interesting to see 
like both of those metrics are important and they all went up. Yeah. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, uh, you know, if you want to dismiss it or you feel like this is too hard to be funny or too hard to incorporate this, like it it pays off. And then, and then as a, as a traffic guy, as a guy that's sending a lot of traffic to pages, if we can look at, Hey, we're, we can, if you can increase your conversions, that percentage, I can send you a lot more traffic because it's going to be uh, much more profitable. Exactly. So uh, really exciting stuff. Um, I read one of your blog posts on the matrix um, and I was cruising your site and saw this. I'm a huge matrix fan, such good stuff. Nice. (laughs) Lessons can be learned from the matrix. Um, But you talk about a couple things. You talk about uh, using emotion in your copy. So let's maybe kind of start there. Um, Why is it so important to use emotion in your copy? I mean, I think it comes down to the fact that people don't buy unless they feel like they they have a problem and they need to solve it or they really want something because it's going to change their life and they're imagining, you know, this different life that they have. We're not just sitting there sort of dispassionately being like, well, I suppose I need a new set of flatware. We're like, what flatware do I want to hold in my hands and have dinner with my family with? Um, so I think, I mean, there's emotional, there's an emotional basis in all copy not just e-commerce, not just product copy, um, but we often don't go far enough with explicitly calling out those emotions and using words that that speak to them. Yeah. We're like, wouldn't it be nice if you had this new desk? That would be fun to have in your office instead of like um, standing up and sitting down will change your life forever. You know, that's... Yeah, you know where they're where they're seeing themselves using the desk, and maybe it's like this over the top picture of them using the desk, but they're seeing it, and they're 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 seeing it, it happen. Yeah, and you're speaking more to um, how they'll feel versus like dry benefits. You know? Right. Right. Yeah, I, I was listening to an interview with Seth Godin the other day. It's a brilliant interview, and and you know he talks about how it's arguable that that potentially all of the decisions we make are from our subconscious. And then our rational brain is like the press secretary that's just kind of making up a story that seems rational and plausible for for why we did what we did. But it's really all driven by the subconscious and all emotionally driven, you know? Mm -hmm. We feel like we're rational, but yeah, we're probably not all that rational. And so um, using emotion to kind of spark that desire and make someone really want what you have, sprinkle in the features and stuff to, to make them justify it. But uh, yeah, emotion, super, uh, super important. Um, So any other thoughts on on using emotion? Uh, You're just making me think of uh, a therapy session that I had a couple of years ago where I was like, I want to go to this Halloween party, but I know I shouldn't because I'm going to get really drunk and make bad decisions. And my therapist was like, it sounds like you're going to go. I was like, like, but maybe I could go and only have one drink or maybe I could go and not do this thing. She's like, if you go, you will drink, you will do bad things are you going to go or not? And I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, and I did go and I did make bad choices. Um, so just connecting the dots there with the <laughs> rational brain versus subconscious. Like I want it now, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so kind of piggybacking off the, the same uh, matrix post, which was awesome. You talk about using unexpected language. So throwing something kind of unexpected into the mix and you had mm-hmm. a quote from a guy named Dan Gilbert, I believe. Uh, but talk about that a little bit. How, how do we use unexpected language and why is that effective? So for me, unexpected language is anything that if you are reading copy and you walk away and you're thinking about what you just read, you're like, that 
was a really weird word or that was a really well-chosen word and it just sort of sticks. It's sticky language. Um, and one of the easiest places to find that if you're like, how do I write stickier product copy? Because there are actually books on this subject. So I won't try to you know, synopsize them. Um, but, it, but going into your customer reviews to find out how people describe you know, uh, your product or your competitors or how they feel, that's where you can just lift some of that sticky language right out um, and put it to work in your copy. Um, and I'm trying to think of... Oh yeah, I just saw... Um, I saw an email from Purple, one of my favorite brands, obviously. Awesome. Phenomenal yeah. what they do. Yeah. They're offering a, a free pillow with the purchase of a mattress. And they said, um, our pillow won't turn into a terrible pile of garbage after two years. And I was like, nailed it. You know, <laughs> yes. it's the way people actually talk. Pillows turn into, they're just disgusting. Yeah. Flat and yellow and stained. And you're like, I, where did that stain yeah, come from? I'm a nasty person. <laughs> Do I drool? Uh, yeah. Exactly. And, and purple is great at, they use humor appropriately. So you're, you're, you're chuckling. You're maybe not like busting a gut laughing out loud, but you're, you're amused and they're making it. They're showing why their product is, is just phenomenal and why you should trust it and use it and, mm -hmm. and believe in it. So yeah, that's a great, it's a great example. Other, other good e-commerce companies we should be paying attention to. So other e-commerce companies that, that nail it on the, the humor and, and persuasion side of things. Let me consult my swipe file. I have a bunch. Um, I follow, uh, I'm using this tool called Mail Charts. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mail Charts, no. Mail Charts, no. Mail Charts is amazing. Um, basically, they, they will track all of your companies, all the companies you want to pay attention to that are sending emails. So maybe your competitors. For me, it's just sort of like, what are other people doing? When are they sending emails? What's the content of those emails? Um, and they'll just screenshot them. Uh, give you the send timing. You can view it in a chronological timeline or you can go sort of like email by email. But if you want to follow a company's email marketing without subscribing to them, it's amazing. Nice. That is yeah. great. I do find myself, because I've always been a big believer in, in developing a swipe file, even mm -hmm. back in the day when it was like a literal swipe file, a folder, you know, with like putting direct mail pieces in it. I used to do that. Yeah. Um, so I find myself subscribing to email lists and then... Uh, my assistant has to just clean it up or I stop paying attention or something, you know? Yeah. So this, this is a good, good alternative. Yeah. It's so great. And they'll send you like a wrap up uh, or a weekly email. That's like, here's, here's what all the companies you're tracking sent this week, um, nice. which is really fun. So uh, other companies that I like, other e-commerce companies that I like, um, Brooklinen is one of the ones that I'm tracking. Brooklinen. Brooklinen. Yeah. They make bed sheets and beddings. Um, they, and they what do they do well? They have great branding, first of all, um, beautiful branding, good customer service. I had an issue with one of their products and they were like, we'll replace it for you. Uh, and then their emails, the recent one they sent is announcing their line of baby bedding. And one of the lines is because you're never too young for the good sheet. So like, <laughs> That's fun great. puns. They definitely use yep. sheet puns a lot. Um, puns. It never gets old. I mean, I like it. Time, yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's see who else is in this. Um, uh, I think... Most e-commerce brands, if they're starting to experiment with humor, they're doing um, they're doing it with puns. So puns and yeah. portmanteaus where you smash two words together and you get a different word. So those are pretty together. safe, right? So using a good pun, smashing two words together, pretty pretty safe as well. Yeah, and they don't take up too much real estate, um, which is nice because if someone doesn't get the joke or doesn't like it, you didn't waste too much of their time. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I'm trying to think what while you're looking at other examples. I'm trying to remember the specifics here, but. Um, 
I know the folks at Zero Shoes, so Zero with an X, and, and they are a client. I were, but I ordered some shoes for them, and I just went through the normal process, you know. So the people in the warehouse don't know me, um, but they they didn't have my size, and then they found my size, and I got this email, and I can't remember the details of it, but it was something kind of playful, like a wowza, we found your we found your size, you know. And mm-hmm. it was just it was just kind of fun, and it feel it felt very human, and I I don't remember myself laughing out loud. I remember myself thinking, hey, like I know this person, Janet, or whoever it was that emailed me. Like it's a real person and she was looking yeah. for my shoe and she found it and it's exciting to her. And so it's exciting to me. And it, it was just so much better than a normal, crusty, boring email that you get yeah. from every other e-commerce company. Yeah, it's like that, that forming that one-to-one relationship, even though you're sending, you know, you're automating the sending of these emails at scale. Yep. Um, Nasty Gal is a... a women's clothing retailer. They sent a coupon. Successful company as well. Yes. Super successful. Um, Last year, they sent something around Halloween that said resting witch face, uh, spell trouble. It was a bunch of um, Halloween puns. Tap into your dark side. Oh, Netflix sent something recently that I was really surprised to see because again, bigger company, you don't kind of expect them to do that. Um, But they sent... They were announcing the reboot of uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I don't know if you watched that. I grew up watching that. It's not, it has not been on my, my uh, playlist. Uh, no, I do, I do not know that. Uh, but it sounds amazing. They remade it with the actress from Mad Men who plays Sally Draper in Mad Men. Uh, Karen okay. okay. So it's going to be amazing. So they're announcing this new series. Um, and it's instead of just saying, hey, we re- remade this show, they sent it as an invitation to a party. Subject line, Sabrina Spellman invites you to her dark baptism. And then it says, your presence is requested at the dark baptism of the teenage witch, Sabrina Spellman. Nice. Uh, bear so, witness. So much better than just saying, hey, tune in at 8.30, you know. Yeah. 8.30 Eastern and blah, blah, blah. Just be real technical. Way, way better than that. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. So I have, you know, piles of these, like mostly pun related, but um, sometimes brands kind of step out of the norm uh, yeah. emails. Uh, and screenshots. How would you recommend? So someone says, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with my so my email sequences. I'm gonna insert a pun or mash two words together or do something to kind of break this up." Mm-hmm. What should they maybe do before they hit send to actual customers? Should they run this by somebody? Any any anything you do? Like, not now, I guess you just gotta you gotta feel for it. You're good at this, so you just probably run with it. But anything you'd recommend on kind of the first time? humor user what they should do when they're when they're dipping their toe in the water? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about emails and you have a larger list, you can always take a segment and sort of split test the straight version of the email copy versus the funny version. I almost always find that the funny version wins uh, and gets more engagement. Um, in the past with clients, I've actually asked customers and users, hey, what do you prefer? You know, regular old news or the funny version? Uh, and I did this with... Um, I mentioned this at uh, Ezra's event. I did this with a, a customer or a client of mine that makes really boring software. It's um, stormwater compliance monitoring software. Yes. For industrial manufacturing. I, don't, I don't think it could get any more boring. Storm, yeah. Stormwater compliance software. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Like making sure that, you know, you're testing your samples every now and then and you're not going to get sapped with a huge fine by the um, EPA or the DEQ. Yeah. Um, so who's the, who's the customer then? You're, you're talking about like um, these like municipalities and local governments and stuff like that? that are yeah, and, and big industrial plants, okay. um, even smaller ones that need to, that 
have growth plans and, and need to monitor this kind of stuff and just forget because until now there was only paper and then somebody, some inspector would come by and be like, you're non-compliant. Here's a fine. Um, so we, you know, we write this uh, month, now monthly letter to their list uh, with who's gotten punished recently, or things to look out for, especially if you're in California where they're based, like laws that are changing. Um, and they, I'm so pleased to say that they just hired uh, a new marketing person who's writing these emails now. And she has embraced the pun game. Nice. Uh, to the point where I'm like, y'all might not even need me anymore. <laughs> this been a, a Halloween email that was just puns on puns on puns on puns. <laughs> yeah. um, it makes you proud. It's, it's like the parent watching their, their child develop right before their yeah. eyes. You're like, I, I created that. Yeah. But, but back in the day, we asked their list, like, do you prefer the way it used to be? Or do you prefer the funny emails with gifs and jokes and puns? And I think it was like 85% of the list was like, we like the new way. Wow. Not surprising, but I totally, totally love it. Um, good. Let's, let's talk video for just a minute here as we kind of look to, to wrap up. Uh, we're doing a ton with YouTube now as an agency and we're, awesome. we're, we're seeing clients really scale and drive massive amounts of traffic and conversions from YouTube. But, but on our end, we're, we're not a creative shop. We, we run the campaigns and the audience targeting and then the technical aspect of it. Um, so, so let's talk video for a little bit. How do you think people should use humor in, in their video marketing and kind of top of funnel video? Is that, is that a place to use humor? Should you play it kind of safe there? Do you, do you have any, any recommendations or any examples of, of using humor in your, your video ads? So, I mean, I think humor in top of funnel videos is the best place to use humor. And that's why you see so many people doing it. Like you said, everybody wants to be purple or Harmon brothers. Um, and it's not going to maintain our attention if it's not weird or funny or attention grabby. Usually it's within like the first 10 seconds that you have to get somebody's attention. Um, and I was just watching, I just saw Tom Breeze of Viewability. Uh, yeah, Tom's talk. a friend. He's awesome. The guy's yeah, awesome. he was talking about what's changing on YouTube uh, and how how you're going to have to start paying for views uh, sooner than you were, right? Really well, so the, 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 the view metrics where, uh, you know, you, the people still have five seconds to skip the ad, okay. but... Yeah. Now, Google is experimenting with, at least for counting conversions, and this is rolling out to most people now, where used to you had to watch to 30 seconds mm -hmm. a video before it would count as a view and then it would count as a conversion. And now they're, they're reducing that to 10. Right. So they're, looking at, they're looking at the metrics and they're saying, hey, we're seeing a, a, a direct correlation here. We think you'll get more value if, you, if we count it at 10 seconds. And, and mm -hmm. so that's what they're, that's what they're doing when, when they're counting conversions. Yeah. Yeah, so front-loading those first 10 seconds with something uh, that grabs attention, whether or not it's funny, but it usually is because it's, I think it's a little riskier to try to grab attention in a non-funny way. Yeah, uh, one, one interesting um, anecdote comes from a client. They, uh, they did something kind of risky, I felt like, in a commercial. They, they, made a, they made a Trump joke, and it was like one, but it was, it was done in a way that like, it was not pro or, or anti-Trump, but it was pretty funny. And uh, uh, it's one of those things where we're like, eh, I don't know. People will be offended. Will people love it? Well, wh whatever. So they ran it and uh, they ended up getting more negative feedback from Trump supporters uh, not liking it. So yeah. then we, we tested a version without it, did not perform nearly as well. I mean, it was yeah. dramatic. Uh, you know, I thought it would be like a couple points different. No, it was like night and day. Uh, so something so about where that where that humor was strategically placed was just gold. I, I would I would not recommend 
a lot of political humor, probably. Like may, maybe if you're just making fun of everybody, then that's good. But um, yeah, anyway, they, they, they did this right and it worked. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's so interesting to hear. I tend to also stay away from political humor unless, right. you know, I know that the audience is going to appreciate it. I mean, for my own list, everybody knows where I stand, uh, which is fine. Right, um, right. Yeah, and that's, and that's, and I think that's important. Like if you're, if it's your company, I think it's almost better to be divisive because mm-hmm. uh, you want people to, I think be, like you, know, you said, being boring is kind of your greatest risk and not standing for anything is kind of, is kind of boring as well. So Yeah. Um, and I don't want people to waste, you know, their time with me if we're not going to be a fit on that level and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, one thing that I'd love to do in video scripts that pretty much everyone can take advantage of and I don't think has been played out yet um, is the smash cut where, you know, something is happening and then you, you just smash to another uh, screen or scene, make a joke really quick and come back. And, you know, that's what gives improv shows their momentum when people run in and tap out and like start another thing and then run back in and tap out. Um, so it's a really nice way to keep things moving. And like also little like this little distraction, little side note thing that, that keeps yeah. the people engaged. Yeah. yeah. And it works with almost any um, any video format. That's great. You can just sort of make a little aside. It's like whispering a joke, you know, as, as an aside. You can do that in copy or you can do it visually. Um, but it's a, a fun way to add humor. Any, any um, if someone's looking for, hey, I'm, I'm looking to make a good video. Um, do, do you have any, any kind of go-to? You mentioned Purple, which, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, do you have other brands, other companies you recommend that people watch? Uh, videos on to learn how to make great humorous, but, but videos that sell. That's a great question. I should have thought about this. Um, and, and, and also just to, to make you look better and feel better. I also didn't prep you for this because and I even said, I was like, Hey, she's an improv person. I'm just going to throw all these questions at her with no prep. Uh, which which has been really fun, by the way. Thank you. You've been very. I've had a great time. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> one, one that I'll share, kind of while while you're thinking, is uh, this is another Harmon brother. So I hate to give them too much credit. Uh, although it's not just the, if I'm not mistaken, it's not just the Harmon brothers writing these scripts. Right? They hire amazing script writers to write the. Yes, and they have an amazing video production company, which I think is Sandwich Video. Yeah. yeah. Um. So what oh. do the actual brothers do? That's what I want. Mean. Anywho. <laughs> Take photos. <laughs> uh, so chat books. I don't know if you've seen chat books. Yes. It's, it's freaking hilarious. And we, uh, my wife and I have a lot of kids. We have eight kids uh, and we live a crazy life. And so even as a dad, I, I like relate to this lady. She's the overwhelmed mom and saving kids from falling out of windows and her son shoots a crossbow at her and, you know, kid jumps off the roof and like, it's amazing how accurate some of those things are. Never had the crossbow yet, but, um, but, but in the midst of that, she's like sprinkling in all these amazing benefits of the, of, of the chat book service, which captures all your memories from your, your social media profiles Mm -hmm. in these nice little books and they ship them to you. Anyway, uh, phenomenal video. And it's like, it's three minutes long, and, and, and by the end, you got a great picture of what the service is and it's super funny and you want to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. I love that video. And and I agree. I don't want to give Harmon Brothers too much credit, but like also they're, they're kind of leading the charge. And they are. I, as I'm moving more into to video script writing, I'm doing their uh, how to write ads at sell course. Yeah. And the first chunk of it, I was like, I don't know about this. this is kind of all copy review for me. But then the second chunk um, where they were getting into how they personally craft hooks 
um, and structure their videos. And I was like, okay, this is, uh, this is valuable. Is it good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. I think it's just one of those things uh, where, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll watch a commercial, you know, kind of the Madison Avenue type commercial. And it's just hilarious. And you're cracking up in the end. You're like, I have no idea what that was even for. I don't know what they were yeah. trying to sell. I don't know what yeah. they wanted me to do with any of that. And the Harmon brothers, their videos are just masters of super funny, but man, it sells. Like you want mm-hmm. the product when it's done, you want it, you know what it's about, you know what it does. Yeah. It's just the perfect blend. There was that, the one other one that I want to mention now that I've had some time to think about it is that Dollar Shave Club video where they did yeah. just a single cut. Uh, so like, not only are you not breaking with them, but like you're sort of impressed as the, as the shot goes on, like, how are they, how are they coordinating all these things? And so it keeps you watching and it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. And I I think probably everybody has seen that, but if you have it, go watch it. Um, there's also great, and this is a little bit old too, but, but jet, um, before they were acquired by Walmart, one of the guys from uh, HBO's, uh, Silicon Valley, he cut a video explaining what jet is. Mm-hmm. It was just hilarious. Uh, I can link to it. We'll link to the show notes. So, hey, this has been this has been phenomenal, uh, Leanna. If, if someone is listening and they say, "Okay, I need funny copy," I'm probably not the one to do it, or or maybe I am, but I'm not quite ready. Uh, how can they find you? Where can they find more resources? Because you, you've written some amazing articles, some amazing pieces. How can they consume those? And then how can they get in touch with you if they want to just just hire you to write all their all their persuasive funny copy? Oh yeah. Um, I am aggressively on the internet all over. Um, so I'm at punchlinecopy.com. I'm at punchline copy on Twitter, which is where I share a lot of the pieces that I'm either featured in or like have guest blogged or whatever. Um, and I do have a series of, uh, email tips on my site called just the tips, um, that will help you write better copy and funnier copy. Um, so you can sign up for that on punchlinecopy.com. Fantastic. Leanna patch. Been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Yep. Really good stuff. So as always, guys, thanks for tuning in. I hope this was as helpful and as fun for you as it was for me. Do check out Leanna's website. Uh, Also, we'd love to have your feedback. So let us know what are the topics you want us to explore. Uh, If you are so inclined, we'd love to get that review on iTunes. It helps other people discover the show. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.